Hey guys, welcome back to Respect the Drive. Today, my guest is PTSRS. That's right, Will Lee is on the show today, and he has accrued over 100,000 followers on his Instagram page, PTSRS, celebrating paint-to-sample Porsches. But he's far more than just a Porsche-file. He knows his way around a lot of ordinary cars in a way that most people have no idea. He's the kind of guy that you want as a witness to a kidnapping because he'll be able to identify the exact color, year, make, model, and trim of the car that took the kid. It's incredible. And and I listen to a lot of murder podcasts. I know that sounds like kind of weird, but that's that's one of my ways to de-stress. I listen to my favorite murder. I, I hear these stories and true crime is just kind of a, I don't know, like a side passion. I like listening to those stories. And I always go nuts when someone says, oh, it was a green car. Dude, was it a 93 Civic or what? Come on, you got to give me something. And Willie, he's the guy. <laughs> he's the guy who could identify. Man, if he's the witness to the crime that you're uh, you're a victim of, you're you're going to be okay. He's going to get you there. But how are you doing? Are you guys managing? Are you are you doing all right? I know we're still kind of breaking through isolation, but for the most part, we're all just staying still. So I can imagine the single ones out there, you've swiped through all of the Tinder uh, matches you could possibly have in five miles, then 10 miles, then 20 miles. And and maybe you're just kind of ping-ponging back and forth between folks that you've already talked to. Like, oh, do you, do you remember me from March? Well, yeah, now it's August. But anyway, Willie, he doesn't talk a lot in public. He doesn't have a big public persona, even though he has this massive page with uh, an incredible readership, including the likes of some Porsche executives and Jerry Seinfeld. We actually got to sit down in person. That's kind of a rare occurrence. Haven't done that in quite a long time, but we've got our little studio up there in Woburn, Massachusetts at... Garage 42, which is a uh, car storage facility. So if you're looking to just winterize your vehicle or store for the long term, give them a call. But we had a pretty long conversation, actually. I had to trim it down a little bit. So where we get started with this with this interview, Will's talking about his childhood in Canada. He he uh, em- emigrated, emigrated from, emigrated from South Korea, where he was born to Toronto in the second grade. And here's Will Lee. I know that if I was on a road trip with you, um, I would point out maybe like some hot rods or some crazy thing that's driving by. And you would be like, that's a 1994 Ford Taurus SHO. And that color is ultra rare. And they only (laughs) made it in this 19, you know, like, and I'll be like, why do you know this? So where did that come from? Did you start like looking at cars in Korea or was that like, you know, oh, I'm in Canada and now there's all these like different style cars because the Korean car market was not what it is. Yeah, no, I, I love talking about this because you're right. I'm not a speed freak. I'm I'm a data freak in a big sense, too. I like to collect knowledge and I'm not an engineer by, you know, by trade or by birth. So I love memorizing everything else about cars. And yeah, when I it, it goes back to my just like when I was very little in Korea and again, the Korean car market, very different back then, just heavily, you know, c- Korean produced cars. But I had a knack for actually being able to identify every car that was out in the Korean streets, even when I was very little. See, this is what I think really separates you from everybody else, because I don't, I mean, we all can say like, oh yeah, that was like a European market, this or that. Um, but Korea that is a such a vastly different market and the cars especially like american cars that were in korea were like expensive yeah so i mean one funny story is around 2001 was when the motor trends car of the year was a chrysler pt cruiser and also that's that was the pt cruiser was one of the first 
relatively affordable import cars in the Korean market. And I remember the Korean car magazines had the PT Cruiser on the cover. Like it was the car, right? And still, back in back then dollars, so I'm, I'm thinking of Won now. In Won, that car was around like 50 million Won, which... Which is around back then, it was like $50,000 US for Imagine. PT Cruiser. And yet I still saw those on the road, and it's especially in my neighborhood of Seoul, where it, not to sound arrogant, but it, it was a more like affluent neighborhood. And sure. so a lot of people had import cars back then relative to, it was a bit of a microcosm in a sense. And that's where I would see PT Cruisers driving around. And then I'm like, wow, that's that's an import car. And and people had this perception of like being able to tell apart a Sonata and then, oh, that's an import car. Regardless of if it's a PT Cruiser or a or a, a Mercedes or whatever, that was kind of the thing was that you had an import car. That's the status symbol. Yeah, that's the status. It's so weird. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine like a PT Cruiser being a status symbol. It is a status symbol for, well, <laughs> yeah, not, not higher up, I would say. But yeah, no. it is a symbol, I would say. You're in Canada, you're identifying all these new cars, which are like, you know, you're now you're seeing like totally different market because yeah. you're probably seeing a lot more um, like not crazy expensive German cars. You're probably yeah. seeing a lot more American cars. You're probably right. seeing a lot of like, um, you know, just things that are are not the status symbols of having an import in Korea. Yeah. What does that look like for you as a kid? Like, are you obsessed with everything or are you only obsessed with like the Ferraris? No, no, no. I was even back then. The first thing I did when I landed in Canada was when we went grocery shopping, I went straight to the magazine stand and not just, I didn't go for the motor trend. I went for the consumer reports buyer's guide because I wanted to understand the Canadian car market. You're eight. I'm seven. You're seven. But I thought I was 20 in, in my mind, but I thought I was already like knowing a lot about these cars, but I wanted to learn more. So I would flip through and then that's how I really like absorb the market. And I think with cars, I'm not really good at memorizing anything else, but cars, when I see it once, I just like remember it like forever. I can only imagine the sense of pride that your parents had as like immigrant Koreans in Canada watching their seven-year-old son reach for the consumer reports guide. <laughs> they might as well be like, oh, he's going to be a doctor. This is happening. No, the thing is, I still had to convince my parents to buy that. And you know those things where people are like, oh, buy me a toy or whatever. And then still uh, buying it when, when your kid asks to buy something, unless it's like a textbook, then the parents are like, oh, okay, well, I don't know. You got to do something good in return. <laughs> so I had to do that. I had to bargain with my parents for Consumer Reports car magazine. That's yeah. like actually the most incredible. That, that's outrageously <laughs> bizarre because everyone else is going for like the, 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 the jumping truck over a dirt trail or like the Ferraris lined up on an Evo magazine or something. And you're like, oh, the brake test on the Chrysler Sebring <laughs> seems to be subpar. I'd yeah. like to learn more about that. I like the consumer reports because what they did was they had those ratings in like those color color balls. Right, they're yeah. like they're like the red, the full red, the blank and the black. The black, right? And so I like the fact that at least in my head at that time, consumer reports had like a very objective way of comparing every car. And so I was very influenced by that. I'm sure a lot of consumers are still today that oh, oh, okay, like this Mustang, very good, but oh, but the reliability, it's not recommended. <laughs> 
it's not therefore it must be a bad car <laughs> it's amazing and consumer reports i mean we don't need to go too deep on this but i like consumer reports because they buy all their cars they're yeah. totally like not they're not an arm of 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 the brands For and sure. that's that's yeah. always been very cool they're yeah. there and which is where this so actually this explains a lot because you are not an arm of porsche with ptsrs so first of all what is ptsrs ptsrs stands for paint to sample rs rs from the gt3 rs and the reason why is because it really the the whole page was started as a visual diary that i wanted to curate just for my own self i was i found myself one day on renlist i was actually on renlist you know for a couple months back and i just needed a distraction for my senior year thesis and I found this thread that was just focused on paint to sample. And at that time, I'm telling you, at that time, my avatar on Renlist was a white GT3 RS. And this is this is while you're in college? While I was in college. What yeah. were you studying in college? Public policy. Okay. Yeah, and you're... definitely I've stuck to that. <laughs> yeah. Just disappointing the family all around. No, but it, it's... That, so, all right, so you've got this white GT3 avatar on Renlist. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that again, that kind of encapsulates the cars that I was aspiring for. I, I liked white cars. And then I found this thread and PTS at that time still was still like a very like only those like if you know, you know, type of deal. I didn't even know that the Porsche dealers, there's like varying levels of knowledge at each and every dealer. But certainly it wasn't like everyone who's a Porsche enthusiast or whoever, who knows about Porsche knows about PT. It was definitely wasn't like that. So it was really just concentrated this one thread where all the paint to sample enthusiasts were just talking about the latest deliveries and specifically the GT3 RS at that time in February of 2016, when I started the account, that's when the paint to sample, the first ones were really starting to get delivered to the dealers. And I thought, okay, this is cool. And the vibe that I got was, there weren't going to be that many paint to sample GT3 RSs. So I figured I could start just start a registry on my own, not for like profit or whatever, just on an Excel sheet. I want to gather information on as many paint to sample GT3 RSs as possible. I just have this thing for collecting data. Like I'm a nerd for that. Right. And this is 997 generation. 991. Oh, oh, all right. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. right. You are young. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's amazing. So what was your impression of like learning about what paint to sample started with? Because it, it, it wasn't always like this big thing. In fact, like you can get, I mean, there's like nine, six, fours and stuff that are PTS. And those are the ones that really blow my mind. Yeah. I think the, the, the OG paint to sample enthusiast really took pride in the fact that, and I don't mean to characterize people in any way, but I think there was a certain level of pride that this was very special and not that many people knew about it. And so when they, order their paint to sample a car and they, you know, bring it to show, show it to their friends or bring it to a cars and coffee or go out to a track day. And then people go, Oh, what's that color? Having that conversation of it's a paint to sample and all that. But so that was my impression was that this was a very, like not a well-kept secret, but still you know, a reasonably, 
Yeah, I look at it like yeah. I look at it the way like BMW M cars were in the '90s. Like yeah. they existed, and like if you saw an M3, an E36 M3, like you knew it was different than your neighbor's 328. You just didn't know why. And yeah. then you're like, it said M3 on it. What yeah. does that mean? Like, and even if you'd go to some dealers, the dealers didn't all know what that kind of stuff was. So I guess that makes sense. That's crazy though. For me, M cars were always around, right? So M- in America, it was very bizarre, especially if you weren't like in a wealthy area. Like yeah. if you were just in kind of like a podunk, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, like a normal suburban town where everyone drove Buicks and Oldsmobiles, like yeah. you weren't just like experiencing uh, M M town, as I they c- say. I could understand that just because if I think if I think of the old M cars, like the E thirty six M three or the E thirty M three, they don't look visually that much different from their non M cars. I mean, maybe the E thirty had like the wider body the, the rear arches and stuff but definitely the e36 m3 just looks like a three series coupe it does it looks very much with the nicer same. wheels maybe that's about it yeah so when does the when does the page gain traction because okay here you are you're just like, collecting things and like what does that do i mean so yeah i mean all i did was every time i, I the reason why i started on instagram was not because i liked the platform anyway but that's where i was finding the most information on these cars being delivered. So that's why I would just, if I found a car that was being delivered in some dealer in Los Angeles, then I would take a screenshot of that and then I would put it in my Excel and be like, okay, this British racing green or whatever delivered to X dealer and has these wheels, these headlights for me to be able to like, you know, distinguish the different cars. And then I would put a couple of hashtags just to kind of maybe let other people like find out about the page but sure by no means was this like i want to gain a lot of followers this is for followers all that this was just for for me right what kind of information were you putting in those posts i mean your your, your posts now have a very distinct style we'll talk about that but like at the beginning you're like okay so what else are you going to say other than like it came from this dealer and it's this color yeah i think just the very my very earliest post didn't have that much information because it was just purely i had the information in my excel sheet and Posting it on on Instagram was really just a way for me to keep track of the cars for my own self. So I didn't need to write detailed captions because I didn't really have a, a, a yearning to share it with a lot of people. It was just like, okay, now I found the data on this, so I'm going to have like a, a visual record of it, right? But then when I did start to add some more Color. detail yeah yeah i think <laughs> what what really started it i'm remembering now was i featured this birch green it's also called light green in german it's like leashed green yeah. yeah 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 and i featured this car because it was also very very loaded in terms of what you call porsche exclusive cxx options you know Ooh, those it, those special wishes options that are not on the configurator. You have to consult with your dealer separately. Like I want, you know, deviated this, that. So I got, I got reached out by someone, a, a, a person who I still keep in contact with from time to time, a very well-known collector in, in Germany, especially. And he, he and I got in touch about his G, Birch Green GT3 RS. And he showed me, he's emailed me so many pictures of his car, like all the different details where he went deviated stitching. This is Doug DeMuro's worst nightmare, by the way, but deviated stitching, <laughs> XYZ, all that. 
And then that's where I was like, wow, this is super fascinating. I didn't know people do this with GT3 RSs. And I wanted to share all those details. I wanted to first document it in the caption and then also share it, right? And that's where that car was probably one of the most like well-received cars in terms of like, wow, a lot of people were coming into the page. They were Their attention was drawn because they saw a thumbnail of a really bright green GT3 RS. And then they scroll through the pictures and they see, oh, wow, like this is like, this is crazy. Like the coordination here is insane. The spec is like no one's, no one's ever seen anything like this. Exactly. So, and I wrote out everything like that. And that's where uh, I got a lot of good feedback from people saying, I really appreciate the details of that, that you're putting into this post. And this was, I think, well before I definitely think I was different compared to a lot of other automotive accounts at the time where they would post pictures and like be like repost and tag, tag your friends and all that. And that was about it. Meanwhile, I was writing like full fledged articles and I didn't think people would actually read through them, but people did. And so to get back to your question on how, you know, why, you know, what, what really ticked in the first six months. So I started the page in February of 2016. And then by August, 2016, I was at 50,000 followers already. That's insane. Yeah. That's not a thing that happens. It doesn't happen anymore on Instagram. And I have so many things to say about how Instagram's algorithm has evolved. But 2016 was definitely, I was very lucky in that sense that I started the page in 2016 when the algorithm was definitely more favorable for people, as long as they produce content and consistently that their chronological feeds and all that, none of the, all the other stuff that they've really, you know, squeezed into Instagram's algorithm before all that, it was just like, if you post good stuff, then people will come in and they'll like, and and then go. Right. And that's how I think I was able to really expand my audience because I didn't really have to do much other than just making sure I always add a couple of hashtags so that people can find me. But Besides that, yeah, no, I didn't do any other marketing or whatever. And this all just started from like the comfort of your dorm or apartment? Yeah, it was incredible. It's actually even, so I graduated around May. So only the first three months or so of the page was while I was still in school, right? But even while I was in school, I would be like telling my roommates, guys, this thing has a thousand followers now. And my roommates always still like remind me about, oh yeah, like remember when like, you would just come up and be like, oh, thousand followers and all that. And I was genuinely excited because I was like, this is crazy. Like, I didn't expect my personal account had like two, 300 followers. So a thousand just seeing it at all was incredible. And then it would hit like 10,000. I'm like, guys, this is like, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. And I didn't, I never thought it would hit a hundred thousand. Did you even know anybody who owned a Porsche at the time personally? I did. I did not paint a sample though, but that there, there is a story as to how I got into this brand. Yeah, that's what I want to hear because this could have been anything. You could yeah. have done this with Ferraris. You could have done this with MSO, McLarens, although it wasn't really as big at the time. Um, but like, why Porsche? So why Porsche? So that I would have to, that I can answer as to like, did I know any Porsche owners? Because that kind of ties well together. Because at this point, if I saw this account today, I'd be like, that's a bot planted by Porsche, Porsche to be like, yeah. look at these grassroots kids yeah. making these accounts about our colors. Whereas like, you know, it really, really just did this independently. Yeah, no, it started so organically. I mean, I think a lot of people when they try to think about like what made it tick for their passion for brand, it's like, it can be as easy as like they saw a Testarossa drive by in their 
local town, and that's what started the passion for Ferraris. And and for me, actually, um, at Princeton, which is where I went to school, uh, there there were there were a disproportionately large number of Porsches that would that would be driven around. So like Princeton has a nickname called P Town, and in my head, I thought that was Porsche Town because around the downtown area. <laughs> where I would just see a lot of Porsche 911s. And actually, the thing that really got me about 911s in particular was, especially in city driving, people like to like keep it in second or like first or second. Oh, and they so, want to wind it out. Yeah, it, it, they, they wind it out. But then it had a certain resonance to it. It was like the 991s, the naturally aspirated, even the Carreras. Like, oh, yeah. Even without Porsche Sport exhaust, like when they're just driving slowly, with in first or second there's no like, mistaking there's it. no mistaking that's a porsche right i was so obsessed with that sound and so that got me already starting to like take pictures of the car and like wow this is super cool what got me really into the porsche brand though was i met this gentleman very just randomly while i was taking a picture of a land rover range rover extended wheelbase which was very new at the time in town i, w- I would just walk around the downtown princeton area and take pictures of like nice cars because there'd be a lot right and then I, I was like obsessing over this car because I've never seen it. And then some gentleman was like also checking it out. And then we both realized that we were both checking out a Range Rover, right? Which is like, like not a yeah, thing. Yeah, not a thing because you see Range Rovers everywhere. But we both knew that that thing was stretched, right? Right. So, like I've never seen I've this. Never is seen different. It. Like, it's the L. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. And then that's how we were like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is super cool. And then he told me, yeah, I'm, uh, I actually own the shop that I'm like, we're, we're standing right in front of. He was like a silver, like a jewelry store or something like that. And so we started talking more about cars in general inside the store. And then he said, he hey. brought you, he brought, he's like, come step inside my office. Yeah, come step inside. I was like, yeah. I didn't even realize what was going on. Cause like, oh, we're talking cars. Let's go inside. I'll go inside. So you have candy. Never, but, yeah. Never follow yeah. a stranger to a second location. Well, <laughs> yeah. So I got, I, I got, I got more Range Rovers in the back. <laughs> so yeah, we, we went inside, we talked more. And then he basically capped off the conversation by saying, Hey, let me uh, let's let's meet up actually here's my number or email and i have a car that you might like and this is about oh a car i thought you said card i was like this is about the time when willie needs a business card no 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 no. No, no, i have a car that you might like so okay he didn't tell me what it was he wanted to keep it a secret and then so a couple days later he we we decided to meet up at a certain time uh, on campus actually he rolls up in a black 997 carrera s black a carrera black edition so it 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 looks pretty you know cool it has all the uh, good features on it and it was a manual and he was like hey yeah just like let's get inside the car and let's go for a ride i was like okay at that time i it did not occur to me that i was getting into a stranger's car as all my friends would remind me after but i was like wow this i get to ride in the porsche we've i think as a car person like we we all we all can say like you know, we taught our kids and we tell our friends, like, don't be stupid. Don't do that. But if, like, somebody pulls up in the right car, we're getting in. Yeah, no, it's... And he had the right smile and all that. <laughs> he was just, like, a, a trustworthy guy yeah, with a 911, yeah. As people would say today, he passed He passed the vibe check. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I got it, and then we were just talking throughout. We were just driving around town, and I was in the passenger seat. And so, I, I mean, I can't say I was, I fell in love with the drive, the handling and all that, but still. Was there I, a moment where you're like, is this guy hitting on me? No, not at all. Because <laughs> I was just, we were just so obsessed about the, talking about the car. I don't remember exactly what we really talked about. I think we just talked about anything and everything about cars, sure. especially the Porsche. And 
yeah, we would like, you know, just do a couple laps around, you know, town and then we would book it a little bit on the route one in New Jersey, you know, the notorious route one in New Jersey. And, and still like what I do remember was the sound it's, it's naturally it's so aspirated distinct. 997. It's a, it's not even an S that no. people would obsess over. It, it was a regular Carrera. I think but, people forget that because people always just say like, oh, Porsche sound good. And they'll reference like a GT3. I'm like, you don't need to. No, you, you can, can have just... so much fun ringing out a base Carrera. Dude, I, it's crazy. I still want like a base one one day too. But anyway, so I love the sound, especially when you ring it out. It's you can't remember. You can't forget that. Right. And then so we stopped somewhere and then he's like, you drive it. I was like, oh. I didn't tell him that. Actually, I told him that I can't really drive a manual. But he was like, no, no, just, just, it's fine. It's just a car. Like, he wasn't super obsessive over the, like, the clutch being burned out. And I was like, yeah, just drive it. It's fine. I was like, okay. So, for a bit, it wasn't that much. I knew the basics of like you understood. Yeah, I yeah. knew that you had to like ease it out and all that. I just didn't have the muscle memory i would say yet right so i i did drive it for a bit and i mean obviously i stalled and all that too but still like and it was just for a short a uh, couple blocks but at the same time that was my first time really like driving a, a, a porsche a 911 and i was really really happy about it but at the same time i don't really remember being enamored by that car at that time because i was so stressed about not burning his clutch or whatever right, so that right. was just more like okay like i got to ride on a, a tiger and then like here <laughs> here take it back yeah, right? please take it back so how how i really fell in love with the brand though was when he the following year got traded in his 997 for and then i think he got a cadillac elr at one point i was like okay oh wow yeah, yeah i got i got to drive a cadillac elr but anyways that's a that's a that's another story and then he traded the elr in for a 991 Carrera Black Edition, and and the first thing he did when he pulled up to the same spot that he picked me up in the campus with a 997 was, it's a PDK, so you can really drive it. Yeah. And then that's when when I got to drive that thing, the car felt like it's like the Cinderella finds her shoes moment where the car just felt like gloves. I found the right gloves. I found the right shoes when I was driving around town. The handling when I was going off ramp, and. It, the, the the impression that I still have with Porsches that I think really dis, distinguish itself from my experience with other like sports car manufacturers is this car, I feel like I'm in control versus if I'm driving a Ferrari or if I'm just even in the cockpit of a Ferrari or Lamborghini or an Audi R8. It feels even, like you're hanging on for if, dear life. Yeah, it feels like I have to I have to like tame the car or something like that instead of me having full control. And that was where I was like, wow. This is a car that it's also not like ludicrously like supercar, hypercar expensive. But this is one of those cars where there are many cases out there of people who have worked really hard and have also gotten lucky. They can find themselves in, in a 911, right? And right. so you, I was like, you don't have to make the right stock picks. Exactly. So that's where at that moment, when I really drove the 991, my takeaway was this is my it car and I want to get one. It's amazing how PDK really democratized Porsches because suddenly you, you know, as someone who wasn't confident driving a stick shift, and there's different levels of that. And there's people who just don't drive a stick to begin with. There's also people who drive a stick, but who are like, I don't really want to go and ruin your nice sports car because I'm not confident enough doing what I'm doing. You get PDK and now you get to actually have objectively the full experience, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pretty much all there. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I've driven manuals and PDKs, GT3s, Carrera S's, whatever. And I know for a fact that like, I don't walk away from the PDKs feeling like I've just missed out. It's right. a different experience for sure, but it's, it, it, it's not, it's not like, it's not like, oh no, you, you haven't really driven a Porsche because you didn't have the manual. Like, it's not like that. They yeah. really, they... I mean, I do understand that if I put myself in the shoes of someone who's only grown up with manuals, it is a very different experience and I get that, but there are lots of other people who don't have the background of having bought a manual car from when they were young or whatever and had cars all their life. Like for example, in my life, I, I didn't have my own car until like I was 22, like first, you know, first, you know, job and all that. And right. Was, yeah. So I didn't have like a high school car where I could like buy a beater and all that. Well, right? you also grew up in a city. Exactly. Yeah. I mean like a walkable city with public transportation. I, right. I mean, I grew up in a town of 5,000 people. I didn't have a car. I don't go to school. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> you need a car to go anywhere. Yeah. You couldn't walk to a store. Right. You want a pack of cigarettes? You're driving. Yeah. So I think that's not why. Not that I smoke. I don't know why you, that's not a great, that's not a good example. I, I'm, I'm, like I've smoked like two cigarettes in my whole life. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tom. <laughs> I have really bad asthma, you guys. <laughs> yeah. So it, I think that's By why. By the way, to the kids, if you're ever trying to say no to drugs, just tell them you have asthma. That usually <laughs> 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 <It really> works. <laughs> I guess the kids will just hand you a gummy now. Anyway, I'm sorry. Carry on. Yeah. So yeah, to, to go back to the whole discussion about pdks yeah i pdk is the reason why i fell in love with porsche to really sum it up in a nutshell the manual still i'm sure it was a great car and all that but i just wasn't good at it that's my fault sure but with a pdk that's where i was like wow this is not a sluggish transmission i was like driving it in manual oh it's bananas yeah, yeah bananas yeah. and yeah it's so fun so the page grows and grows and grows and grows now we're up over a hundred thousand uh followers on the page on instagram and you have a very all right so that number doesn't mean anything to me because there are there are plenty of people who have a million followers or 500,000 followers. The quality of that 100,000 followers is something that is just like almost unheard of because the people who follow you are A, working at Porsche, executives at Porsche, people who actually are part of PTS. Um, oh, uh, this guy, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, this guy. This guy, Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld, who who just casually makes a post on his Instagram page about you, like at you. He like, he has yeah, a car. that day was pretty crazy. I'll never forget that. That yeah. like, I was running around being like, what just happened? I remember exactly, like there, you know, there are days in your life where you know exactly where you were at, what you were doing, even what day of the week it was. Definitely. That was me. I when, And not to, not to like place certain individuals on a pedestal like celebrities or whatever and all that but still like you know that jerry seinfeld is like a really (laughs) well-known like the most one of the most prolific porsche collectors and all that look uh you know what you can you can you can try to like play this down as much as you want (laughs) validation from jerry is pretty hot that's like that's big stuff yeah so what was that what what was that why did that even happen right so what i had done was Actually, I I don't remember if I made a post about that car first. I certainly knew about that car. So the car that I'm talking about is Jerry Seinfeld's PTS. So first of all, it's a 991.1 GT3 RS. But what's really cool about that is it has the color that was exclusive to the 918 called Liquid Chrome Metal Blue. And that for the 918 was a $64,000 
color option. That's insane. So for reference, any PTS non-believers here, uh, PTS used to be a $7,000 option. Now it's 12. Is that it's around right 12, $13,000. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So at the time it was probably around seven to 10. Yeah. 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 But it's $64,000. That was, that was crazy. But again, if you're talking about a a hypercar then one of the the launch colors of the 918 was the other liquid chrome is liquid chrome metal silver right but we're talking about an eight hundred thousand dollar car right we're not talking about a two hundred thousand right 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 so essentially jerry was the jerry specified his gt3 rs in a 918 color and actually the it it was more than sixty four thousand dollars i can't say the final figure of like what what additional costs jerry had to incur (laughs) in addition i don't think at that time any porsche vip would have just like been able to ask for it i think there was a combination of jerry wanted i don't know why he had picked that color i would love to know one day but he had picked that color and probably the fact that he was jerry was he then porsche was able to go through you know was willing to go through the feasibility tests and all that to actually apply a 918 color with like multiple layers of painting and all that on the GT3 RS. Do you know why that, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm asking like a super technical question, oh, for like, sure. like why, why is that a big deal? Why the color is expensive or why is it a big deal on a GT3 RS? Well, like I understand why it's a big deal on a GT3 RS because it was exclusive to the 19, the 19 but like right. why is there like a feasibility study? Right, so the reason why, and, and this will also answer why the color costs more on the GT3 RS versus a 918 because what Porsche does, and don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure about this, is let's say they approved a color for the 918, right? Sure. But you can't just spray that color. At least Porsche won't just paint that color on a 911 without actually making sure that paint works well on the 911. And because the 918 has different parts and different architectures and all that while the 911 has a different mix of maybe some carbon fiber here but mostly aluminum and all that right? i see so they want to make sure that it actually like adheres properly to all the different surfaces right and 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 reflects properly so it doesn't look like it's five different colors on a bunch of different surfaces right and the classic example is the color inconsistency that you see on the front bumper which is plastic versus the other panels where you automatically note the a slight difference especially under certain lighting right and porsche is very particular about making sure that with every new car since they know that every new car has a different mix of panels that they have to for every even all the paint to sample colors that you see that are approved and available for the current 911 they would need to be retested for the next generation of 911s or retested on a Macan Panamera, for example. And and, and it's, I think, still insane. And I I would love to actually perhaps even go to the facility that does the painting and all of that because there's a whole reason why paint-to-sample is so expensive compared to It's not just that Porsche realized there's a profit potential here. I mean, I'm sure there's a bit of that, sure. But a lot of it has to do with logistical reasons. That's sure. Yeah. So there's probably a huge like warehouse or like meat grinder of like scrap bumpers and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 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 they go through and so Jerry orders this. They say they 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 basically like yeah we're gonna we're gonna go for it. Um, they get through the feasibility thing and then you just they do it. They're like yeah we accept your money and boom there's the car. So the thing about Porsche exclusive too is that you don't find out the final. St- sticker price 
of the car <laughs> with not just not just regular car. I'm, with regular cars, yeah, you you negotiate the price, all that, right? Sure. With special wishes, CXX options included, especially for those options that have haven't been done before, then you will find out the final price tag when you take delivery and see the window sticker. Like that's that's a thing, and and that's that's I think now the exclusive department has matured enough that a lot of the things that customers want are like there's a price tag for it. Like right? it's pretty obvious what it's, it's pretty cost. obvious what it is, but definitely in the early years of PTSRS, not the early years of Porsche exclusive, but the early years of of my page at least, I. I remember this one car that I featured that belongs to a friend of mine. It was an ultraviolet 991 GT3 RS, which is not PTS, but the fact was it had a lot of CXX options on it, right? And then I think in, in total it was uh, five figures worth of exclusive CXX options. And CXX and is like the VVIP stuff. That's like... No, no. So there's there's... CXX is actually anyone can... CXX is just the option code on the window sticker for any options that just don't exist on the it's configurator off, it's but you off can, menu yeah if uh, if off menu but you can still ask for it when you consult with your dealer saying hey i want deviated stitching on my armrest right then that you might not see it on the configurator okay. so that'll just be like they'll be like sure yeah that we can just add it but it'll be it'll fall under the one option line item of CXX. And if there's like 20 special options that you want to add, it'll all fall under that one line item called CXX. And then you'll see like $20,000. It's not just one option. It's, it could be multiple options, right? But to answer your question about whether it's VIP or not, there's CXX. And then there are the VVIP options. I don't know like what's the separating factor, sure. but there are definitely options that certain cars I featured that belong to, you know, owners with a lot of history with Porsche were able to pull off that, that a first time Porsche customer wouldn't be able to. Right. So this particular gentleman, he's ordering his GT3 RS. He's got some CXX options. Yeah. And, and is it just out of control? Like, yeah, well that car in particular, he's actually, and it's an ultraviolet with ultraviolet painted wheels. And maybe some PTS RS readers might know this. He has a really good attention to detail, so it wasn't really out of control. Everything was really intended, I would say, in that spec. But the the story he told me was with that car, he only found out the final price tag, inclusive of the CXX options, when he took delivery of it. And so that's when I realized, wow, this is, this is like mysterious stuff and i love it when i learn things like that that's what made me want to even learn more about this program right all right back to jerry though yeah so jerry gets his car you know it exists i don't know why you know it exists why is this why does he make this post i don't know i i would i would probably i would i have a couple hypotheses here so let's first tell us what the post was right okay so the post was he, he he addressed it with my name, like PTSRS, here's a cool one for you. Yeah, this one's for you. This one's for you, right? So, and then he described, this is a one-of-one, very special 991 GT3 RS in liquid chrome metal blue or whatever. And then I was thinking like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Not just uh, because I knew of the car, but the fact that like Jerry was talking about it, but the caption itself wasn't very, very long. No, like, it he wasn't, wasn't going it, into the details. It was still mysterious. Yeah. And in fact, if I remember correctly, the car was like parked 
forward, so you're just seeing like the rear three quarters. You're seeing the rear. I think the car was in his hangar and out on the west coast. So you weren't getting like a full like, ooh, wow, that's the car. It was just yeah. kind of like this little nugget, this little taste where it was like clearly he, somebody either took a picture on their phone or he took a picture on his phone. Yeah, he just... took a, he took a picture probably in his pajamas or whatever. <laughs> and it was, it was like... a Monday night, so I don't think he was exactly suited up or whatever. But right, yeah, I'm pretty sure he took it and. I don't know. I would love to talk about that with him someday. But anyways, I I thought it was incredible when I saw that. And I actually, I it wasn't like I was scrolling through my feed and I saw Jerry post it. It was my phone started to get a lot of notifications while I was doing laundry on a Monday evening. And so I was like, okay. I mean, I turned off notifications for likes and comments and all this. Like, what could this be? And then I looked at it and then, oh my gosh, that's when... I saw like people are like, oh my god you're like Jerry talked about Jerry posted about you Jerry mentioned you and I was like oh this is crazy and and yeah and immediately after he posted it the thing that I was onto already was looking at that picture and going what other CXX options yeah are what's there? different about what's this different car? about this car other than the paint because I'm sure he's not he didn't stop at just the paint and with that car in particular the there's a, I don't know, it's like an engine grill or whatever you call it. I don't know the technical term for it, but it's normally just black plastic. And it's the it's painted. It's painted, yeah. It's painted, so that was a big thing. Only those who know will know, like, that's, you can't just, like, get that. It was I a very ridiculously expensive option. The fact that I remember this car, like, I've probably only seen that picture, like, three or four times. Yeah. And I still remember it vividly. Like, yeah. I can picture exactly how it's sitting and yeah, yeah. the color. and Because yeah. it was just so insane to me yeah. that this was happening. Yeah. So... I mean, from just looking at the photo, though, you'll think that it's a slightly bluish silver, but it's it's a color that just has to be appreciated in person, just the depth on that. And I, I didn't get to see that car in particular, but I saw it on a 918 that belonged to Herb Chambers. He has a same colored 918. And then when I saw that color in person there, I was like, okay, there's depth to this. And so tell me about how like, this is a great example and segue into like how you went from Instagram to real life, because the reality is you have been on trips with people with you yeah. know, PTS cars, big Porsche collectors. You host events that gather like PTS cars and you organize them like the proper obsessive compulsive person you are. Right. And, you know, this has actually become part of your real life. This is no longer just, oh, I've gathered a post and I've written like a nice blurb about it. Like, how has this changed your life from being like, I posted a picture to my days are different now? Yeah. So it's something that I never had anticipated, but really, it, it really first started off with a lot of people starting to reach out about, hey, I just took delivery of this PTS Viper, Viper, Viper green car or you know, some other PTS car. And then I would just have conversations, right, with them through DM. And it didn't just stop at, hey, can you send me pictures? I want to post it. It's like, how do you like the car? That's, that's what I was more curious about. What did you, why did you pick that color? And I'm, I really wanted to even include that in my posts is what, what the owner's story behind it. It's not just a car I want to feature. Like I want to feature like about like why the owner picked that color. Maybe there's a long personal story behind that, right? So that's how I got to start to interact with a lot of people through DM is that I would just probe, but not like cross the line, but just ask like wh wh why they're, why they picked that color. And that has evolved into just group, you know, forming a, a lot of new friends that I would have never met through anywhere else, but through Instagram, friends in Europe, friends in other, other parts of the U S too. And there are a, a few that I just talk to still on a daily basis. 
that I've met through Instagram. And it all started out with that person asking me a question about a color and then it kind of spiraled into a conversation and can I get your number? And then like, we start talking more. Yeah. And it's like, it's like the casual, Oh, Hey, it's just, it's weird though, because you tell this story about meeting this guy in the city who's just like, Hey, I've got a car you'll like to see. Yeah. That's just happening on a different level. Yeah. I it's, it's interesting from, from my perspective, I still consider myself. Okay. Everyone is an enthusiast, yes, but I don't own one of these like really nice Porsches, right? So I'm still like a, an aspiring owner, right? As an aspiring owner, or as like a lot of us, we love it when you know, owners you know, are very like willing to share details about their car. Like, hey, like check it out. Yeah, sure. Like ask me questions, right? But I didn't r- realize that from the owner's perspective, how how excited some people can be by the interest that people show towards their car. Yeah. Right. And with me in particular, I was just personally, not for the page, just personally like so curious about that car. And I was, I I first thought a lot of those specs came out really well. And I'd be like, wow, this is what, what made you go with that? And then that's where people would be like very inclined to talk about it more. And it really broke this image I have of wealthy people being like, I want to keep my car guarded. And there, there are all, a lot of people that out there exists. who I understand, like they, you know, they want their privacy respected and all that too. Right. But there, I was just that, that image of the people who don't want to share details about the car was totally broken when I had these conversations. So that's what I thought was really, really cool about, you know, just making friends through pay, through this page. So on the other side of that though, I mean, I'm sure there's, you, you must get a lot of submissions. You must have a lot of people coming to you either via email, via DM, like, Hey, I have this thing yeah, and mine is amazing mm-hmm. and you need to feature this. You're going to love, I've got something for you. Like yeah. kind of like I'm doing you a favor. And in, in, in most cases, that's probably true. What's your barrier? What's your filter for what you post? Because I'm sure that your taste doesn't yeah. it doesn't mean that oh i i don't like it so it doesn't get posted i'm right. sure you, i'm sure you post oh, cars you don't like oh for sure i'm sure tom you've seen a couple cars that i would have a lot of opinions about right how but, do you deal yeah, with that how do i deal with that so that's a very good question no one's really asked me about that before so i think it's very important the the filter i have it just the very first level is the car has to be paint a sample, right? Cause it's the page, the page features paint a sample Porsches. So I love all Porsches and I don't mean that in a diplomatic way. Like I would love <laughs> to have a Porsche in any color. Right. Right. But just for the sake of the page, I wouldn't feature a guards red car unless for that car, it was a paint a sample. And, and I make that distinction because a guards red car is a guards red car. Some might say, but for let's say a car like the 991.1 GT3 RS, where it was only available in four colors, lava, orange, ultraviolet, white, and GT silver, and a couple other like special colors. If you want a guards red on that car, you had to pay $5,500 and, and wait the, go through the PTS hurdles to get a regular Porsche color on, on that car. Right. So my first filter is it has to be paint a sample. Secondly is... I weirdly obsess over the quality of the photos and it's, it might not be evident in all the posts, but sometimes I do get submissions from 
And it's less the owners, but more so people who might have just like seen one on the streets and they just like only had a second to take pictures right. of it. Right. It's driving by or driving they, by, yeah. right? And as much as I love the car, unless it's an incredibly unique car you saw a one of one one of one or whatever then i tend to not or i i I ask to see if they have any better photos of it because for me what's also important now is to a certain extent i i want to post now to to do well i'm not like obsessed obsessing over the likes or all that necessary i keep track of it just to kind of gauge like how popular the page is still but to answer the question i i do try to ask for and, and want like somewhat high quality and i mean i i'm t- i'm not talking dslr photos by all means like an iphone iphone does fine. iphones yeah i actually think iphones do a, a like 90 percent just for instagram 90 oh, yeah. percent of the job yeah for sure for yeah, instagram for, i'm yeah. not talking yeah. but you've got to have a picture of the full car it's of the be- full car yeah it's- so i'm i'm if if only if let's say this person took pictures of a car that's like really tightly parked and within a dealership inventory and like it's also only showing a part of it, then I, I would, would not want to, and I would probably kindly just ask for okay when that car maybe comes out of its inventory. But if someone's car, like let's say someone just put, like sends you something that the photos are all there, you've got the story, you've got mm-hmm. everything, but it is just like egregiously ugly. Oh, then actually I would love to post that, <laughs> because I want I want this page to really show what's possible. And I think with Porsche exclusive as well, what they want to emphasize, and I'm not that I'm like a, an ambassador for them, but I w- can also imagine they care more about like offering people choices. And I want to show that too, right? So I want to show, and I want to let the people speak and, and, and voice over. I rarely actually voice my opinion, especially negative opinions. I, yeah, your, I, I never, your comments are quite factual mm-hmm. yet still somehow not boring. I don't know. That is like an actual fine balance of being like yeah. not trying to put your two cents in, but also making it interesting. Well, yeah, I, I just don't think my opinion matters. It's just one opinion. So I let, I, that's why I love reading the comments and there are certain cars that I can think of, and I'm sure you probably remember, mm-hmm. that are like really polarizing. And you read through the comments, and some of the comments can go really bad. And if they start going into very hateful stuff or whatever, I just I just delete. Yeah, you have the, to moderate. I have, I have to moderate. To I, some yeah, extent. I do the same thing on YouTube. But if someone is just being very critical about it, then that's fine. I, I yeah, I, I want to leave it up. There. If it's an objective criticism, that's yeah. fine. But if yeah. they're like, oh, the kind of guy who does that, and then lists yeah. like some horrible thing, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. you're yeah. that's not productive, right? Um, well, all right, but the, so you say your opinion doesn't matter, but the reality is your opinion does matter because I'm sure you get berated with people who are asking you for advice. Yes. How does that work? Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a good question too. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking. I still have so much more to learn about this program and it's also just my my taste. My taste should not have any influence in what you want, right? So I do get asked about like, hey, like, can you help me? Can you like look over my spec? That's a common request I get is, hey, can you look over my spec to make sure if there's anything I missed out on? And I'm not going to spend so much time making sure, you know, that person didn't miss the smoking package or whatever the right. luggage net or something like that but i yeah i can I, I can skim through it and just give my advice and that's about it and then there are other people who are like what do you think of my spec and that's a very difficult question to me because i mean it doesn't 
it doesn't take, I have no hesitation thinking about it in my head as to what I think about it. It is what I think about it. But there are certain cars that I get asked from owners who are very enthusiastic about their cars, but also, weirdly enough, my opinion apparently like matters. And I've gotten, and I'm not saying this just like, I'm not making this up. No. Like, I, I've had people explain to me, and I totally understand, I'm sure, but they say, hey, like you have great taste or like you know a lot like i really respect your opinion right but it's already for a finished car like what am i supposed to do right so in that respect i still and some people might call me out for being dishonest or whatever but i just i never mention anything negative i say if if, if it's a very polarizing thing and i say that's very bold and it's very true. That's not, that's not. <laughs> yeah, those are good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's true. You, you've got those words that you can go to. Yeah. yeah. Where and and I, I never criticize anyone's car to any, like, especially to the owner or, and I rarely even want to like talk about like, you know, talk negatively about someone's car just behind their backs too, because at the end of the day, it's what they wanted. And that's, they did it. If they like it, then it's, then, then, then props to them. But yeah, so I definitely don't want to burst anyone's bubble. And I don't mean that in like a condescending way, but they spec'd it for their reason. So I say props for making it very interesting and all that. And I do ask though, sometimes like, hey, I noticed that those headlight washers are like red while the entire car is green and the interior is saddle. And then, and then, and then you know what? The, I ask nicely and I get nicely worded answers because it could very much turn into a very personal conversation like oh like that's if if you tone it in a certain way then people get very defensive understandably so because it's their it's their vision of a you know nice looking car right but i do ask like hey why'd you do that and then i love the stories that i get sometimes it even boils down to the headlight washers there's a reason why it's red and it's because with this one particular particular car that i'll give you as an example it was an irish green gt3 with black wheels, the rim edging was in red. The headlight washers, like the little nipples on the, yep. were red. The inside was the seats and the most of the interior were saddle. It's, it's like cognac, so it's a type of saddle sure. with hound's tooth. And then there were also bits, like contrasts of yellow stitching and like red bits here and there so very busy what, yeah what you got was a very and that car was not received very well the owner was like completely fine about it right but for me i asked my my first question was what inspired that spec right and i'm sure a lot of people want to know why right there's a reason why it has to be spec that way and the owner if i recall correctly said it's it reminded me of a certain ferrari that i fell in love with and that ferrari had it was it was a green Ferrari with, you know, yellow and red contrast here and there. Or it was something like that, or it was something about the Ferrari logo, or there was something associated with Ferraris. But he had a reason for it, okay? Which must have been very interesting to explain to a Porsche dealer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and actually, I don't even know if he had a lot of Ferraris, but and that was his reasoning. I was like, okay, well, there's a reason for this, and there's a reason for why a lot of cars respect in very very unique ways and i want to know about that i want to share that part i don't care about my opinion i only i only care about my opinion but i don't think anyone else should know like 
what I think about it. Unless I really love it, then I right. definitely mention Well, it. but what would be, like, you know, today, I give you, you know, let's say I give you two, 300 grand, and I say, go, oh. spe- go spec out your car. Like, what, yeah. are you, what are you buying today? What am I buying today? So, I mean, now you can only get a 992. So can we pedal back? We and- can pedal back. You can have a GT3 in the 901 generation. Yes. Attaboy. All right. Yeah, that's my dream let's car. Let's pretend. Yeah. So honestly, even over a GT2 RS, I would go for a 991.2 GT3 Touring. I think that car just is, it really captures my personality very well. So I, I don't really like attention that much. And I like subtle colors. And you better learn that manual. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'd be like, yeah, that's a, if I imagine myself like getting into one of those and being like, this is now an excuse. Well, this is now I'm forced. Now I'm forced to have a manual. I even thought through all that, even though I didn't even get so it. So high level, because I bet you could probably talk for another, like, you know, two hours about every effing detail, like a Nick Murray configurator video. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, high level, what does your car look like? It is a Brewster Green GT3 Touring with wheels in satin aluminum, which is not silver. It's not gloss silver, but it's like a matte finish silver. And with ceramic brakes. Uh, don't ask me why steel versus ceramic. I just you know, you love gotta ceramic have, brakes. Well, and you got to yeah. have those yellow yeah. calipers. Exactly. Or are you painting them black? Are you keeping them yellow? I would keep it probably yellow because I like to keep things factory. All right. But if it was available from the factory in black, I would definitely go black. Yes. And then the inside, I would. this is where I would try to do some CXX. So the interior in the GT3 from the configurator, you can't do any other color than, than black. So I would ask for tarpan brown which is the the brown that they use in the 911r so it's a different brown than espresso or you know other types of browns that they have on the configurator for other cars tarpan is exclusive to the 911r and i would really want that because that that tone of brown is just the right for me so the inside would be in tarpan brown with the lightweight the bucket seats houndstooth i know is overplayed these days i would say to some extent but i think for that car the houndstooth the pepita inserts really belong it fits, on it man it looks good yeah and then the stitching i would this is where i actually dwelled about it for a while even though i would never <laughs> i don't i can't get the car it's i would get it in either black stitching like very like faintly visible sure or actually to contrast that with some sort of like creamy beige or like silver stitching but just around the seats and then the dash nothing too crazy and is the dash still going to be black and yeah the, the, the dash itself yeah, again, very good question. Don't know if it's two-tone black or, or brown I would want to go for, but the 911R, you, it was full tarpan brown, so I would go for a full tarpan brown, but I would probably go through multiple iterations to see if that looks good. Yeah, I, do, be, I love a two-tone dash, man. Two-tone, two-tone dash is good, especially for like the brighter tans. I can't do a full bright tan interior, but for like a really dark brown, you almost you can't even really see the difference. No, it's good. The bright ones are tricky though because they reflect in the windshield so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. So there's another. Yeah, that's the more I would say practical reason why you want to do two tone. These are like the ultimate first world problems. I've, I, I know, I, Doug. I, Doug Demure. I I hate to like name drop him all all the time, but he hates the fact that people are obsessing over stitching and all that on a GT3, and I understand that too. But, yeah, but yeah. I mean, 
for me, I would. He say, also thinks that a lot of no offense, Doug, but Doug thinks that a lot of like bad cars are good, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> he, he, like cars Ooh. that cars that just drive poorly. Like I, I, I respect like yeah, like yeah. I'm not look. I totally yeah. respect like when he's yeah. like, oh, an HHR with yeah, like the yeah. panel. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like I'm with you 100. Yeah. But there are some cars where he's like, oh, and this handles so good, and I'm like, it, it does. It does not. It absolutely <laughs> does not. So yeah. you know, but whatever. That's yeah. just my. That's just my two cents. That's yeah. fine. Everyone has their opinion. Right. But going back to the GT3 Touring, though, yeah. I think for me, some people might think, yeah, but the GT3 Touring, like you should, it's the GT3 itself is like a track car or whatever. Like, why are you obsessing over? Why are you making it so anti-track? And for me, probably if I see myself in a GT3 Touring, I don't think I can honestly say, I don't think I would take that thing to the track. Like, no, maybe, like, I, you know, maybe a once to like check it off and see like how it feels in a track. But for me, I, I get much more enjoyment personally driving through you know, nice roads and stuff like that. I, and again, as, as you had said before, I'm not a speed freak. I, I, I love ringing it in, in low gear and hearing all that. I, that that's, the, that's plenty of drama for me. I like watching, uh, so Oak Green Metallic uh, has that GT3 touring, and he he drives in through like northern Italy and Switzerland. He's always in like mountainous, crazy right. areas. I love watching his stories just because he's in locations that I can't go to. Yeah. I, especially right now because yeah. uh, America, we can't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, speaking of that though, like what is what is limiting for you right now with COVID? Because typically you would be putting on your event Rare Shades, right. which is like a collection of PTS cars in certain locations. Kind of like the, um, it's like the Radwood of PTS. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you do that in collaboration with Triple Zero Magazine? Yeah, Triple Zero Magazine. And then we have different sponsors based on... On, not sponsored, but different partners based on where we're hosting it. But yeah, to answer your question, what would I have been doing if it weren't for COVID? The number one thing would have been Rare Shades 5. So the fifth iteration of this Rare Shades show they described. And to explain it very briefly, it's with Triple Zero Magazine. And it's essentially, we, it's a show that only focuses on paint-to-sample cars. It's a gathering for the paint a sample nerds on Renlist and whatever to bring their cars finally a show where they can shine right and the way we arranged the show is I think what makes it very unique is and this was an idea that didn't almost didn't make it to the finish line because of like the logistical nightmare behind that but I really I, I came up with the idea of actually like curating that in a rainbow so the curating the car and that's really characteristic of rare shades is all the cars are arranged in like the spectrum of a rainbow. So it starts from red and then the shades go into orange and then to yellow and then to green. And then we use the venue, the space that we're given to really display that in like a really effective way. I've seen the photos and I remember when you were getting ready for Rare Shades 1, you showed me like the Excel document and you had like palletized the arrangement of all the people who are coming. And like it made a lot of... An RSVP has never been more important. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and then because... If, if, so before we actually, you know, launch the event, we, as you said, we have it on an Excel document. Every cell is like a parking space. And then we actually, like I do a, a color drop, an eyedropper. I use an eyedropper to actually put in the color of the actual car in there. And then that's, that's where I start shuffling the arrangement of the cars. What happens in real life is that some people are inevitably going to be late or they are just not going to show up even though they paid the registration fee, right? Right. And so then sometimes we have like an odd space there, but then what we've realized is, hey, let's make that sort of like, let's make it a thing where now it's, don't look at it as a gap. 
But look at it as that's a space where people can now take pictures from that angle. You know, they can take pictures of not only that, but it shows that there is a missing color. Yeah, like it doesn't go this that. There is there are there are there are shades in between. Right. So all right, with with all this being said. What is the landscape of Instagram now? Because it is not the same. You are not getting 50,000 followers a month. Yeah. Things slow down. However, you've still managed to grow. And I think this is, this, is, this is what I think is really critical for social media people, including myself, because there's going to be a time where you either hit stagnation or the platform changes. And that doesn't mean that you're over. It means that like you've used that audience to grow something else. And right now I think PTSRS has totally changed the landscape of like what these types of car accounts can be and how, uh, how they can translate to real life. You've made actual car shows. You've, you've met actual collectors. Collectors come to you to talk about things. You're part of this Porsche world, which is a very, very small community. What, where do you go from here? Do you just continue doing that? Do you start doing merchandising? Do you work with Is this with the Porsche? where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> this is a little bit of an interview, but I know that you have your gripes with Instagram. Yeah, I have my thoughts. So like, yeah, it's a very valid question. And to tie it to your question about the landscape of Instagram, that's where my thought is headed at is it's, it's directly linked to my thoughts on Instagram in particular. So to sum it up, Instagram is becoming just more and more of a hot mess just with every week now i feel like we're seeing all these new features being added and the algorithm is constantly being being tweaked so as opposed to a couple of years ago when i think that a lot of the growth was enabled due to the algorithm just being playing it very simple if it's a popular post as long as it's laid out chronologically and people see it at the at peak time that post will do very well and it'll just grow organically now instagram has really flubbed how like certain posts come up to the top and a lot of folks don't even see my posts anymore on their home pages right and that's true i i like every post you make yeah. and it doesn't mean that i'm going to see your post displayed there's right. times when i go back to your your feed and i'm like i've missed like six posts right and so as a result of that the landscape has changed and that it's a lot harder for people to i would say grow their audience organically because a lot of people are just missing out and Instagram has a lot more control that, and, and they don't really mention how like the algorithm works, right? Cause they don't want to, right? That's, that's data for them. So that's how it has changed. And as a result, the, I, I, I don't obsess over the likes, but I certainly keep track of it. The likes on my posts have gone down and this is not just about on my page, but just in general. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, 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 the number of likes have gone down and then there's certain weird outbursts of certain posts that kind of catch the algorithm wave and then just break into like tens of thousands of likes. Right. And that's, and no one can explain for why that, how, how that happened. So anyways, long story short, Instagram has kind of gotten beyond my control. And I realized at the end of the day, you do not want to be at the mercy of a platform no. for your brand. And, and for, especially it can get hacked. Exactly too. Yeah, that totally. So for me, I realized at a certain point that PTSRS wasn't just going to be an Instagram page. Is it was going to? It's this the foundation of my fascination for car colors in general, right? And so I won't forget that. And right now, I I well, I, I did launch uh, like a, a a website for people to access PTSRS through other than just Instagram. Sure, it's, it still directly feeds to Instagram. But besides that, I'm I'm working on some things that really will 
it, that will really be, I would say, my a, a true reflection of me today, which is I love Porsche colors, but I love car colors in general. So I'm I'm very excited. I've been working on that for some time. And it, it, to answer your question about what, what what do I see as a future of PTSRS is that I think for the time being, uh, as, as long as Porsche continues to you know, have the paint to sample program available, then I will always post the latest on the newest paint to sample Porsches, which is my tagline, right? And because again, my because I do it for fun. There's I, I earn no income out of that. It's just purely my 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 hobby still to this day. So that won't stop for the time being. But I also want to branch out of just the Instagram page and yeah, I, I'll keep it at that. But I love car colors from not just Porsches. I would just say I'll I'll say that. Well, I think I think you've done a very good job of kind of being the man behind the page for a very long time, and you're one of the few people that I've met behind either a channel or a page like this, where you are even more interesting than the thing you curate, mm. which is, and I'm not trying to just blow smoke up your ass. Like that is not true for most people. Mm. I'm, I know a lot of people with really, really, really big pages. And then you meet the people behind them and you're like, wow, that, that like 14 year old figured this out. Or like, you know, <laughs> it's just like some older dude who's like really mean yeah. or bitter and yeah. you're like, well, I get why you don't talk to people with your actual face. You probably <laughs> alienate everybody. You're like a very approachable person. You're incredibly knowledgeable. And I hope to see more. I mean, I always like to have the exclusive, but I'd hope to see more of you yeah. being part of this thing you've made. Because although, yes, you're making this thing for the people, it doesn't mean that you have to just be behind the curtain all the right. time. And that's something that honestly, I've always made it about the cars. And I think you've known me f- early enough where at a that was at a stage where I was not comfortable even doing like showing my face. No, you wouldn't even be on my camera. Right, right. Just because I I didn't I had a hesitation for PTSRS to be like more of a willy, but now I'm embracing more the fact that it's not a a matter of vanity or whatever, no. but just you, being myself. It allows if I put my name to PTSRS and then also sometimes I just you know, I show that I'm not just some Porsche repost page or, or whatever like that, then I'm able to connect with people better and more organically. And I, I just, then it's very cliche, but I can be myself more. Yeah. So I definitely, yeah, to, to your point with PTSRS, I think you've already seen that with me posting about my non Porsche yeah. Mercedes and the comments that I've really gotten, like the, I was so like, grateful for the amount of interest that that car got and that made me realize okay it doesn't hurt to add a add more of me yeah you're hearing you're hearing the negativity before it exists and it's not even going to happen yeah people people aren't gonna be like well you're monster how dare you put a mercedes on here um all right before we before we wrap up tell me about the new page that you've created for the uh the t the t50 oh yeah so I so that I was very very I started a page called Gordon Murray T50 no without dot. the without the dot <laughs> which oh I I screenshot that interaction of someone someone wrote down in the comments saying like 
details matter for this car. How could you omit the dot? And I was like, eh, it's personal preference or whatever. But anyways, so it, I, it, that <laughs> is your red windshield washer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there exactly. you go. Or your headlight washer. Yeah. yeah. That, that's just my preference. Anyway, so I started this page as... Easier I, to type also. Easier to type. E that's huge. Like I, Easier I, to tag and all that. All I'm saying is like no dot makes that so much easier. So yeah. you can play it all you want. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. So essentially, I want to curate a registry of all 100 of the GMA T50s. And what better way than to start on Instagram? They're the only thing that I know how to, how to do and run, right? So and I started on Instagram because, well, first of all, at that time when the T50 came out, my whole fascination was I knew the car was great and all that. But like, okay, when are the first cars going to come out? And I want to see like how you know how you know it's, it's, it's it was just me back in 2016 with the whole like i want to gather all the data on the painted sample rs's well imagine if that like consistent registry existed for f1s at the, like like yeah. on the fly at the time not right. trying to go back and gather them not yeah, trying yeah. to not trying to figure out oh which w here's a picture of this one after it was totaled and rebuilt five times right. and all this other crap it's like no you could you you could actually curate this page to show real time these yeah. things coming off an assembly line someone collecting it mm -hmm. and the the differences in the cars and with the same quality that you've done with PTSRS which yeah. is not anyone else doing something like this would really have a massive learning curve and the audience wouldn't necessarily be able to trust what the post is going to be. So right. I think no one is better than you to, to, to make that happen. No, I, I really appreciate that. And I just want to clarify too, that I know almost nothing about this T50. I'm still like only learning about the car right now through the videos, the tons of videos that are out there. But that's the information that's out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing is, that's how I learn more about these cars. And the registry kind of gives me a purpose to learn more about these cars. That's how I really learned about PTS because I didn't know about PTS at all when I started the page. I only got to how much I know about the program now through this registry that I got started, right? So I want to do the same thing. I want to learn more about the T50. It's a personal passion of mine. I love the car for what it is. And... I feel that the most organic way that well, just more most fulfilling to me is to just gather data on, on Instagram and maybe through a website or all that too. Well, I hope you get to experience that. I hope you get to like do more Porsche stuff soon. I hope COVID lets us go and spread our wings and be happy out and about, but thank you so much for coming on. And I hope the next time you come on, we've got, you've got your heels dug into this T50 stuff and then we can start talking about yeah. And then I would love to definitely maybe in the next time, if you'd be so kind to do so, talk about quirky cars, regular cars. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah. So it's funny. I have a ton of notes for this interview. Yeah. And I have everything from like oddball Hondas yeah. and specs on like cars that we are like, oh, it's a Canadian spec. Why is yeah. that in the US? I would love to talk about that. And like with you. Also, I have a, a note about... <laughs> <laughs> about Korean seatbelt use. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. and how that's like a big thing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm, yeah. So we'll keep that. I literally, we could literally talk for hours, but I just want. I, I think this was just great. I, I'm so happy you came on. You, thank you. When you agree to get on one of my platforms, I feel this immense responsibility to keep it classy. Keep no, it. <laughs> no. And the thing is. I told you as I was coming in today, I felt like I was going to a doctor's appointment because this is my first time like speaking in front of a mic. You know, I, I mean, I, I have these conversations with you all the time. Right. Right. But 
and 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 you know it's not like i have an additional pressure now I, you really make it easy for someone to just really talk casually about like all these topics that we've anyways talk about but it's thanks to your channel where i was comfortable more being in front of the camera and also even my parents watch your videos from time to time especially the ones where my face is plastered on the thumbnail like the one that i learned the manual in. <laughs> i do love that yeah, yeah and then and then also yeah now through the podcast so i have many reasons why i would be very grateful to you as well well thank for you bring me on board. tell all your friends tell jerry seinfeld okay <laughs> all right thanks for being on thank you so what do you think? Is that the guy you thought was behind the Instagram page? I'll tell you, he's one of those guys. I met him in a parking lot. He's a parking lot friend. I meet a lot of my friends in parking lots, and that's always a very strange thing to tell somebody when they say, where did you meet your friends? Well, I met him in a parking lot. Meet everybody in a parking lot because that's uh, that's how car people meet each other. Where are the cars? In the lot. So no, he's, he's not an old stodgy uh, white dude with a collection of 50 Porsches just, you know, celebrating his own vehicles. He's just, a, he's just an enthusiast like everybody else, and he, he, he's made incredible connections over the past years, and I can't wait to see where he goes because I really don't think Instagram is, is the limit on this. I think he's got, he's got a lot of avenues to go through, and now he knows everyone, and everybody likes him. He's a very likable guy. He's a very intelligent guy, and... Uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to, to to meet him, which, you know, you'd really have to know who he was. You, you probably wouldn't pick him out. If you saw him at his own car show at Rare Shades, you might not know who he was. So I hope you do get to meet him if uh, if you do go to one of those types of shows after after the pandemic. And I hope he comes back to the show because, like I said, he's way more than just Porsche. He knows he knows the craziest details about everything and he has a massive model car collection which i think i think some of you guys would appreciate but thank you so much for listening big big thank you to the patreon supporters especially those double digit donations that's that's like really putting the pressure on me when the more money you give me the more guilty i feel the more content i make i think that's the trick all right guys thanks for listening don't forget to respect the drive and i will see you in the next one well i guess i won't see you you'll hear me in the next one yeah that one